I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. The New Orleans-based nonprofit Good Work Network recently changed its name to Go Be to better reflect its work helping minority small business owners get the resources they need to succeed and prosper. The group, which is celebrating its 20-year anniversary, has also recently unveiled the Elevate Fund, which will supply grants up to $4,000 to qualified applicants. On today's podcast, we welcome Hermian Malone, GoBe's Executive Director, to talk about the mission and some of her clients' success stories. Hermian Malone, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, so your organization is celebrating 20 years as an entrepreneurial support nonprofit. Can you give us the 60-second history? Sure. The organization was started by uh, a CPA who recognized that small business owners could use some help on the back-end bookkeeping, and the more she worked with them, more she realized they could use additional supports even beyond. And so the array of services grew. Uh, we worked with people who had an idea, who worked on a business on the side, who fully launched um, and had a lot of success with uh, a segment of those entrepreneurs who grew through contracting opportunities, particularly after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, fast forward to today, and we are squarely focused on those businesses who have started and gotten going. They've done the hard work. They're growing, um, but maybe they're getting stuck or plateauing. And so our work is really around helping them get to that next phase uh, of growth and sustainability. That's interesting that it started with numbers, you know, and the accounting side of things. And is that part of it that a lot of people have a great idea? They might be great at these five things, but then there's some areas where they need help. Absolutely. Almost everyone is great at something. It's why they launched a successful business, uh, but they have maybe some opportunity areas. It could be finance. It could be processes. You know, a lot of people are like, I know it in my head, but if you have to explain it to somebody else, you know, it's not so clear. Um, so there are a lot of things in the back end running of a business that are critical to success. And we absolutely help with all of that. I like how you describe it as opportunity areas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of those for sure. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so who do you help and how do you do it? What are the tools in your toolkit? All right, we've got two major tools. Let me just start off by saying we help existing entrepreneurs. Our floor is a little fluid at the moment because of COVID. So historically, we've said, you know, anyone between 150K and a million in annual revenue is really our sweet spot. And the reason is because there are so many resources at the startup phase, particularly in greater New Orleans. Um, and so we didn't want to keep creating tools that were competing with tools and resources and organizations already on the ground. So if you've started a business and you've grown it um, a small amount, we're here for you. Our focus is on entrepreneurs of color and women, and we help in two main ways. One, which I think is actually our most value added service, is one-on-one -on -one coaching. So we have a team of business advisors and coaches who have between them about 30 years of experience, um, either working with small businesses through the US SBA or um, through lenders. And so they, they carry a lot of expertise in things that are critically important for business development. And we use a tool that helps determine what's the thing we should focus on first. 
because often, you know, a business owner, like, I think this is my problem, or I'm not even sure where to start. We actually have a tool that helps you winnow that down. And we'll pick two or three areas to focus in on with you initially. We use some tools to help you get to a point where you are making decisions. And once you have made a decision, you are taking action. We know entrepreneurs often know they need to do something. The thing to do is where they get stuck and they kind of can spin. We try to help them get out of that spinning with the coaching. The second thing we do is education. And education for us can be anything from a webinar or it can be a cohort series. So we're right now recruiting for Level Up, which is our three month intensive for high performance entrepreneurs of color looking to grow. We work in partnership with an extraordinary uh, serial entrepreneur and professor from Tulane, uh, Sharif Ibrahim to deliver this content. And everyone who completes the program ends with a three-year growth plan. So not only have they increased their knowledge, but they have an action plan of how to continue that growth. Understood. Over the years, you've helped roughly 6,000 clients. Can we talk about some of the notable people that might have gone through the program? Sure. Um, so a lot of these uh, uh, entrepreneurs in that 6,000 group predate me. The organization's, you know, 20 years old. I've been here not quite five. Um, but we do have some great some great stories. So Nathaniel Scales, who is the owner of Garden Doctors, um, who was an extraordinary uh, business doing landscape design and um, has worked for the city, has done contracting out at the, the, the new airport, um, is, is one of the clients who we helped um, set up and uh, grow that business. Um, also Angelica Rivera and her husband who run Colmex Construction um, came to us when they were honestly working out of their living room mm. and doing um, residential construction, uh, small projects and grew over several years to getting into commercial uh, construction opportunities and actually were one of the contractors on our former um, food incubator, Rue Carre, um, that used to be operational in Central City as well. And a very fun fact, which I actually didn't know until we were doing some organizing in the office, um, the organization that is now Propeller with Andrea Chen started out as a client of Good Work Network at the time. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So another group helping small businesses started by being helped by a group that helps small businesses. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, question, do people pay for any of your services? The one-on-one -on -one coaching is 100% free. We are very grateful to the support of our donors, uh, our corporate and foundation philanthropic support for that. Uh, workshops are dependent. Um, since COVID, we've largely just been doing these for free um, because the thing that was important to us is getting the knowledge into the hands of the folks who needed them as they were trying to navigate closing, you know, avoiding closing their businesses. Um, uh, the Level Up program does have a price affixed to that. Um, so at the moment, that's probably one of two programs where there is a, uh, is a fee associated with registering and participating. Again, it's a three-month program. Um, but otherwise, folks can access the vast majority of our resources at no cost. Understood. Understood. What prompted the name change? Ah. So, you know, we were really talking about how do we make sure that the messaging is reaching the entrepreneurs we serve. Um, and so you remember me talking about we used to sort of see everybody from I have an idea to I've started a thing. And we really wanted to focus on the unique challenges of growth. Um, and so as we started working with some consultants around messaging, how do we make sure this lands and sticks? Um, they started doing some focus groups and informational interviews with stakeholders. And they just kind of asked about the name. 
Um, and so they started having really interesting conversations about our old name with folks and said, you know, we think there's an opportunity here to come up with a name that's a little more dynamic and vibrant um, and that doesn't maybe have some associations that you don't necessarily want to carry into this new focus of your work. And so it was actually really difficult. I have a tremendous appreciation and respect for folks who do branding and rebranding work now as a result of it. But we did land at Go Be. Um, the idea of going beyond survival to success. So really not like always working in the business, but working on it and being strategic and building something that creates, you know, potentially generational wealth for families um, is, is such a big part of that vision. Uh, and so that's how we landed at deciding to rebrand. You mentioned going beyond survival to success. And I saw in another story, you talking about the worrisome failure rate for businesses, particularly after a certain number of years. What happens that causes a you know a promising business after three years or so to to struggle? I think there's a lot of uh, of contributing factors, right? So particularly if we're talking about um, businesses owned by entrepreneurs of color, um, for generations, access to capital has been the number one challenge. It remains the number one challenge. And so if you have the um, internal drive to grow, but you actually don't have the funding capacity to get you there, um, your business either kind of stalls out or it like shrinks and folds in on itself. Um, the other thing is there is a big difference in how you approach um, the operations of your business when you're just starting out versus when you get to a point where you're at that next phase of growth. Sometimes you need an entirely different set of staff, you know, depending on what the business is and where you're trying to grow. And again, strong workforce pipelines can be part and parcel of that. And then I think people sometimes get into a business because they're good at a thing. Everybody loves my sweet potato pies, for example, or I make the most amazing smelling candles. And they focus on what they are good at and what they are not good at suffers. Mm -hmm. And that can often be the operations. How are you managing your customers? How are you getting new ones in the door and getting folks who've bought from you to buy from you again, right? And so there's a myriad of reasons that folks might struggle after they've gotten a bit out of the gate. I can so relate to everything you just said. Um, <clears throat> how has the pandemic changed your work? What extra challenges have minority-owned businesses faced through this process? Yeah, so we have gone completely virtual. And what's funny about it, honestly, Rich, is before the pandemic, we tried to do this. We tried to expand our reach of services. And uh, we can't keep building offices <clears throat> across the state, right? Let's just invest in some tools that can be used virtually and that you know we will allow us to support folks wherever they are. So if they're in Shreveport, great, we can help them. And people would look at us like we were crazy. Like, you mean I can't go to the office? I'm not gonna be able to sit down and talk to somebody. I'm like, no, you're gonna sit down and talk to us. It's just gonna be, you know, on Zoom or on Google Hangouts or the phone. And the folks are kind of like, I don't know. Fast forward like seven months. <laughs> and that's exactly where we were. Um, so the great news is we had all the tools in place yeah. to support folks virtually. And we still do that. Um, we received some funding at the end of last year from the U.S. Um, Department of Commerce to expand that reach. So again, if you are a business owner anywhere in the state of Louisiana, we are able to, to help you and are focused on trying to get that message to you. Um, one of the other changes that we've seen as a result of the pandemic for our business owners is quite often, I'm, I'm going to give you a good change because I think this is fascinating. Yeah. Um, we've seen people who have figured out how to adjust 
and bring value to people where they are, where that need is. So early on, when you think about everything shutting down, childcare centers were one of those places that did shut down. We had two clients, one who started to frame out a strategy for how do I bring the caregiver to the client? If people are going to bring their kid into a building full of 30 other little kids, um, maybe one of the things that I can do is launch a service to bring the caregivers to the homes. We had another um, business owner who realized, yeah, a lot of people who have little kids cannot uh, afford to just stay home to homeschool them or they don't have the kind of jobs that will allow them to work from home. So there's still a market. How do we figure out how to safely operate childcare centers? And that individual actually added a second location in the middle of the pandemic. It was unbelievable. Um, so some of the things that we've seen broadly in the market are a shrinking of uh, brick and mortar, which doesn't mean people aren't running businesses anymore. It means they are running them in different ways. So the idea of the ghost restaurant or the virtual bakery is very much a thing. Um, and people are figuring out how to make things work for them, um, taking on less risk. So a building rent for a year is risk. Um, uh, an SBA loan is a risk. Uh, and so people are trying to figure out, oh, if I can't be a certain uh, of the economy or my customer base or my supply chain as I could in the past, how do I operate in a way that helps to minimize um, the risk? So we've seen people who had, um, you know, like we were talking about some of our, our women CEO roundtable members. Um, if your retail sales are down, but you can make a consumer packaged good that can sell in store, so it's not just your store, but other locations, is that a way to offset some loss? So I've seen a, a, a lot of creativity. I mean, I've also seen a lot of stress and struggle and frustration, um, particularly at some of the federal and state programs that haven't shown up uh, in the way that people thought they would have or haven't benefited everyone equally. But I have seen a tremendous amount of grit and determination. You guys recently unveiled the Elevate Fund. How did this come to be? Who are the benefactors? How does it help your mission? There is a program that existed at the state level for small businesses that would provide funding for small projects. Um, they were very specific about which kind of projects, and there were a lot of hoops to jump through. At the end of the day, the work provided for the entrepreneurs was valuable, but how you got there was crazy making. So we decided <laughs> to try to raise money for a fund that would give people the resource they need, but without so much red tape and wrangling. So the idea of the Elevate Fund is that clients identify a project that in some way will increase their capacity. We have seen people order um, uh, pieces of equipment, specialty equipment for their business, folks who have had websites redesigned, e-commerce functionality improved, um, working with uh, CPAs on their back-end financial systems and processes. Anything that's going to increase their capacity uh, is a project that we can fund. Um, so all clients have to do is let their advisor know I'm really interested in this. It's a very short application. Uh, we will provide uh, funding for 65% of project costs up to $4,000. And the idea is that um, we're getting people to take action. Again, our focus is on make a decision and take some action is to take some action on some things that are gonna appreciably help their business and make funding one less hurdle um, that they have to deal with. Understood. Okay, looking at the state of New Orleans small businesses amid the pandemic, what worries you? 
and what makes you feel optimistic? I think what worries me if I'm looking specifically at New Orleans is the heavy reliance of this economy on tourism, hospitality, and service. Uh, I think we've seen um, just how disruptive that can be when all three of those sectors are sort of thrown into chaos. Uh, I don't think that, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons as it relates to making access to capital easier for businesses and also pairing the lending with education so that if somebody gets turned down for a loan, they are immediately then handed to someone who can help them better prepare and be less of a risk for the next opportunity. Um, and so I think those two things in general are, are pretty concerning to me. Um, where I'm seeing optimism is I think in some of the creative ways that the nonprofit sector has really tried to rise to the occasion to help folks. We're an organization that in the past never granted money, but we were able to raise a quarter of a million dollars for these grants that we're giving out on a rolling basis to be supportive. But also, you know, I just never count out New Orleanians. Um, and I have seen folks do astonishingly well um, and come back with really vibrant ideas and new ways of approaching markets, ways of working around supply chain gridlock. I think the, and I know folks sometimes get tired of the word resilience, but the, the resiliency of, of the small business sector is to be noted, but I don't say that to diminish what they're overcoming. I say it um, in acknowledgement that some of these barriers and obstacles we still have to keep working on reducing to make this a fair and equitable economy that works for everybody. Hermia Malone, your insights are much appreciated. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks, Rich. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.